We'll get to that in just a second, but that video, of course, was an honor of mothers. And Proverbs 31.10 says, Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. You know, as that video so clearly stated, moms are invaluable because of all the different roles that they fill, and I'm sure they fulfill many different roles than was portrayed in the video. Moms give themselves so much and sacrifice so much. And moms, I just want to say thank you for all that you do for your family. And I pray that you would be appreciated and loved, not just today on Mother's Day, but you'd be appreciated and loved every day. And to all the moms, I just want to say happy Mother's Day. And if your mom is still living, make sure that you tell her how much you love her and how much you appreciate her and thank her for all the things that she has done for you. And if your mom has passed like mine, thank God for her. Cherish the memories of her. And never forget the impact that your mom had on your life. And husbands, you don't get off the hook. Make sure your wife knows how much you love her and appreciate her. You know, this morning I'm doing a message entitled, The Woman God Blesses, and it comes from 1 Samuel chapter 1. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, it's the story of Hannah. You know, and I mentioned that moms are invaluable. And one reason moms are invaluable is over the years, moms have taught us a lot of things. Here are some things our mothers have taught us. Our mothers have taught us about Jesus. When we spill grape juice on the carpet, she says, you better pray that stain will come out of the carpet because Jesus is the only one that can help you now. She teaches us about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. She teaches us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I surely can take you out. She taught us about logic because I said so, that's why. She taught us about irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. She taught us about stamina. You'll sit here until you eat all your spinach. My mom taught me about weather. This room of yours looks like a tornado went through it. My mother taught me about foresight. Make sure you have clean underwear. You never know when you're going to go to the emergency room. She taught me about anticipation. Just wait until your father gets home. She taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. You know, my mom taught me about envy. There are many children in this world who don't have a mom like you do. Our mothers teach us about wisdom. When you get my age, you'll understand. Our moms have taught us a lot of important lessons in life. And we can learn several important lessons from the story of Hannah. And as we look at the story of Hannah, we're going to see that a woman's true strength is not found in her position in society, but her true strength is found in her posture before God. And this is the type of woman that God blesses. So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, the first thing I want to say, we're going to just read this passage as I go. God blesses a woman who perseveres. That's the first point. God blesses a woman who perseveres. Let's look at 1 Samuel 1, 1 through 8. It says, There was a man from Ramathium Zophim, which is probably Ramah, in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, 
or Jeroam, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, the first named Hannah, the second Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah was childless. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. Whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Whenever she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way every year. Hannah wept and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah asked. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Elkanah had two wives. His first wife was named Hannah. His second wife was named Peninnah. And polygamy was not an uncommon practice even among the Israelites in the Old Testament. Why did Elkanah have two wives? My answer is he wasn't thinking clearly. But that's not the right answer. Why did he have two wives? Because the desire of every Israelite man was to have a son to keep his name alive. And because his first wife Hannah could not have children, he chose to take Peninnah as his second wife. And as we see in this passage, the problem with this arrangement was that a very unhealthy and a very unhappy relationship developed between Hannah and Peninnah. Hannah, because she could have no children since God closed her womb, and because Elkanah loved her more, she suffered for years at the hand of her rival Peninnah. And in the culture in which they lived, if a woman could not have children, She was considered a failure. She was not worthy of honor in the community. It was seen as punishment from God for sin in her life. And Hannah's sense of failure was heightened by the taunting of Peninnah. And even when they made the yearly trip to Shiloh to worship, the taunting continued. The taunting did not stop. The ritual they observed, it must have been the peace offering because part of this offering included giving a portion of meat to each member of the family. And the portion that was given to each woman was based on the number of children she had. So imagine Hannah sitting there and watching Penina and each of her children receiving a portion of the offering. And Hannah was supposed to receive very little. This is a reminder to Hannah that she had no children. But Elkanah, because he loved Hannah more than Penina, even though Hannah could not have children, he tried to comfort Hannah by giving her a double portion. And even though Elkanah had good intentions, he was not able to comfort Hannah. Look at the questions he asked her in verse 8. He said, Hannah, why are you crying Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Unless he was absolutely clueless as a husband, I think he would know why she was troubled. I think he would know why she was crying. I think he would know why she could not eat. You know, and as a husband, I must admit I've done something similar to Elkanah. There have been times that even though I knew what was wrong, I would ask Joni, what's wrong? And she'd say, you know what's wrong. And that was my cue to shut up and not say anything else. 
But if I did say something, she says, that didn't help any. You're only making it worse. This is exactly the scenario that played out at the end of verse 8. Notice Elkanah asked her, am I not better than ten sons? You know what he's telling her? He's telling Hannah, don't worry about having children. All you need is me. With this question, he was trying so hard to comfort his wife. He was trying to remind her of how much he loved her just the way she was. However, he is missing the ache of her heart. He is even showing some insensitivity as he didn't understand that what he was offering was in no way a substitute for having children. Elkanah wanted to fix the situation, but he really didn't know how. But through all of this, Hannah displayed perseverance. Perseverance is defined as persistence or continued effort in doing something despite difficulty or failure or opposition or delay in achieving success. Year after year after year, Hannah suffered and endured her barren condition and the mockery and jealousy of Panina. But year after year, she continued to go to the house of the Lord. She continued to worship the Lord and she continued to draw strength from Him. And while suffering tremendous adversity, Hannah was patient. Hannah waited on the Lord. And she demonstrated that she was a very strong woman of faith. And Hannah understood that there was only one person who could fix her situation. And that one person was Yahweh. That one person was the God Almighty. And like Hannah, we are going to face adversity. Trials are going to be part of our life. And we can't understand what it means to persevere. We can't understand what it means to endure unless we have trials. Unless we go through the difficult things of life, we can't really understand what perseverance is. In marriage, you're going to have trials. You're going to try each other's patience. I know on many occasions I have tried my wife's patience. And I would say to you today, I'm lucky to still be alive. In raising children, you're going to have trials. In raising children, your patience is going to be tried. You're going to say things to your children that you thought you would never say. Such as, quit eating the dog food. Why did you throw baby powder all over the room? Why did you throw a pineapple at your brother's face? Why did you push your brother down the stairs in a laundry basket? Yes, that happened in our family. I'll let you choose which one did it, but... Why did you put your chicken nuggets in the microwave for 11 minutes? Those can be trying times. Growing up, my brother and I tried my mom's patience. And sometimes she would get so frustrated with our fighting, she would say, if you're going to act like that and kill each other, why don't you go outside and do it? We never did, thankfully, but we thought about it. But... But not only are things you thought you would never say to your child, try your patience. There are situations and issues you never thought you would have to navigate with your child that will try your patience, especially in today's culture. You know, my parents didn't have to worry about social media. My parents didn't have to worry about homosexuality. My parents didn't have to worry about transgenderism. or My parents didn't have to worry about bullying as it wasn't as big of an issue as it did today and as a parent as a mom 
you're going to have to help your child navigate through some of those issues. And I will tell you this, there's not a training manual on how to do that. The only way that you can know how to do that is by seeking God and going to His Word and seeking His wisdom and seeking His guidance. And because trials are a part of our life, they give us the opportunity to find out who we really are. Trials give us an opportunity to really see how strong our faith really is. And like Hannah, there may be situations in your life, in the life of your spouse or in the life of your child or in the life of your family that's out of your hands. And there's not much you can do to fix your situation. It might be a financial situation. It might be a wayward child who strayed from the Lord. It might be a situation at school or a work situation or it could be a medical issue or maybe a strained relationship within the family or with a friend. But when faced with these types of circumstances like Hannah, what we need to do is persevere. What we need to do is trust God. And what we need to do is wait patiently upon Him. And that's the type of woman that God will bless. The second point I want to make is God blesses a a woman who prays. Let's look at verses 9 through 18. After a conversation with Elkanah, it says, Hannah got up after they eat and drank at Shiloh. Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's tabernacle, deeply hurt. Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of hosts, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me. And give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And his hair will never be cut. While she was praying in the Lord's presence. Eli watched her lips. Hannah was speaking to herself. And although her lips were moving. Her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And scolded her. How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No my Lord. Hannah replied. I'm a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the petition you requested from him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer appeared downcast. After Elkanah tried to console his wife, Hannah got up. And Scripture says she poured her heart out to God. She wept and she cried many tears. She wept and she cried because God had closed her womb, was not allowing her to have children, and she knew that God was the only one who could open her womb. She knew that God was the only one who could help her. And the focus of this passage is verse 11. When she made a vow, she pleaded, Lord of hosts, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, Remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair will never be cut. She promised God that if he blessed her with a son, that she would dedicate this son to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair would not be cut. That's referring to the Nazarite vow as laid out in number 6, 3 through 7. And basically, If one took the Nazarite vow, they were saying they would not partake of any alcohol, that the hair would not be cut, and they would not go near a dead body. Hannah was completely willing to surrender her son to God. 
And in her culture, the normal desire for a woman was to ask God for a male child. But to be willing to forgo the pleasure of raising the child and watching that child grow up was the ultimate sacrifice. And this is exactly what Hannah promised. Was Hannah negotiating with God? God, if you do this, then I will do this. She was. Does this mean that if we negotiate with God that He will give us exactly what we desire? Not necessarily. So why could Hannah do it? You see, in Hannah's situation, the answer she received from God was closer to God's eternal purpose than to her promise. Hannah having a son, it was part of God's sovereign plan for her life. And God in that moment, He just didn't instantly choose to bless her with a son. Before the beginning of time, God knew what Hannah's plight would be. He knew what she would face. And he knew that he would give her a son. So God giving Hannah a son was not simply the result of her bargaining with God. But it would be the fulfillment of God's plan for Hannah's life. And if we pray to God and plead with him and beg him and make promises conditional on what God does and does not do, and if what we are pleading is not part of God's sovereign plan for our life, then our negotiation is not going to work. You see, we're not to negotiate with God. We're to trust God. We are not to negotiate with God. We're to trust God. And notice how Hannah prayed in verses 13 and 14. Hannah was speaking to herself. Her lips were moving. Her voice could not be heard. Eli thought... She was drunk and and told her to get rid of the alcohol. Hannah was praying with such great passion and such great intensity that Eli the priest thought she was drunk because her lips were moving but nothing was coming out. He told her to stop drinking. And Hannah explained to Eli what was really happening. She was explaining to Eli that she was praying to God from the depths of her heart. You know, and like Hannah, God wants us to pour out our heart to Him. God wants us to be honest with Him. God wants to hear our our cries of distress. Our God is a big, big God. Our God can handle our anger. Our God can handle our frustration. Our God can handle our hurt. Our God can handle our pain. There's nothing in our life that He cannot handle. And when we recognize this, when we recognize in our relationship with God that there is nothing that He can't handle, our relationship with Him will be taken to a whole new level. And I think this is accurately portrayed in the book of Psalms, which is filled with David's prayers. And on many occasions, David was hurting and suffering, and he learned at a young age to go to the Lord in times of distress, for there was no one else who could give him comfort. No one else could relieve him from the suffering that he was going through. In Psalm 4.1, David says, Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Psalm 62.8, David says, And God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Psalm 142.1, David says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before Him. I declare before Him my trouble. David knew where he needed to go in his times of pain. 
is at times of suffering, he knew he needed to go to the Lord and seek him. I'm so thankful for my mom who constantly prayed for me and for our family. And she would say, she said, I know there's not much that I can do and I wish I could do more. But she said, I know there's one thing I can do. I can pray. I'm so thankful for a mom who prayed and believed in prayer. I'm so thankful for my wife who prays for me. God knows I need it and so do you, but I'm so thankful for my wife who prays for me. And she prays for our boys. And I will tell you this, a praying mom makes a difference in the life of her family. And moms, the best way you can love your family is not to shower with them with gifts, but to shower them with prayer. And you may not be able to help your child or your spouse or your parents as much as you like, but the most important thing you can do is pray for them by coming before the Lord and pouring, your out, pouring out your heart to Him, the one who can help you. I think of the verse in Hebrews in 4.16. It says, Let us draw near with confidence through the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. With whatever you're facing, with whatever you're going through. Don't be afraid to get honest with God. And when you pray to God in this way, when you pray honestly and you pray passionately and you pray fervently, He will replace your anger and your frustration and your disappointment with joy and hope and encouragement and peace. There is not much the world can do to change your situation. And there are sometimes not be much that you can do to change your situation. But we worship a God who can change you and who can change your situation. He is the only one that can change your circumstance and give you the help and the hope that you need. And in verse 17, as Hannah was about to leave the temple, Eli pronounced a blessing upon her. He said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the petition you requested from him. You see, her experience that day in the temple, along with the words Eli spoke to her, it changed Hannah's life. She went from being discouraged to being encouraged. She went from having no hope to having hope. At, in verse 18, it says, She went on her way and she ate and she no longer appeared downcast. When Hannah left the house of the Lord, her demeanor completely changed. She was at peace and her joy was restored, and notice it was restored not after she became pregnant, but her peace and her joy was restored before she became pregnant. You see, her joy was not dependent upon God answering her request. Her joy was dependent upon the holiness and the character of God. And when you spend time in prayer with God, one thing for sure is going to happen. Even if God chooses not to change your circumstance, God will change you. God will change your heart. God will change your perspective. And regardless of the outcome of your pleading with God, you will be satisfied with Him and you will have peace with Him. God blesses a woman of prayer.
And being a woman of prayers, being a woman whose strength comes from spending time in the presence of God, pouring out your heart to Him. The third thing I want to point out is God blesses a woman who keeps her promise. Look at verses 19 to 28. It says, The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to to bow and to worship the Lord. Afterwards, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord. When Elkanah and all his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explain to her husband, After the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband Elkanah replied, Do what you think is best. Stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh, as well as a three-year-old bull, two and one-half gallons of flour, a jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Please, my Lord, she says, as sure as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he's given to the Lord. Then he bowed and worshiped the Lord there. Something else significant happened after Hannah left the temple. Not only was her demeanor changed, but her circumstances was changed. Verses 19 and 20, it says, The Lord remembered her. Does this mean that God had forgotten Hannah? No, it means that God acted upon her request. Hannah conceived a male child and gave him a name that symbolizes both Hannah's bold faith and God's gracious response. She named the child Samuel, which means ask for him from the Lord or requested him from the Lord. And while Elkanah went to Shiloh with the rest of the family, Hannah chose to stay home to nurse Samuel until he was weaned, probably around the age of three years old. And notice that Elkanah, who loved Hannah dearly, he was very supportive of his wife. He was very supportive of the vows she made to God. She was very supportive of her staying behind and taking care of Samuel. And husbands, make sure you support your wife. Make sure you encourage your wife to to walk with the Lord. And make sure you encourage her to follow the plans that God has for her life. But when the time had come, Hannah went to the temple to worship and to bring Samuel. And she brought with her all the offerings necessary for the sacrifices. She bought a, she'd brought a bull. She brought some flour. She brought some wine. And she brought her son. And in verse 28, it's evident that Hannah fulfilled the promise she made to God. She prayed for God to give her a child. God gave her a child. And then she treated the child as a gift from him. And then when her son was three years old, she went to the temple to dedicate her son to the Lord. Not just for a few years, but for the rest of his life and for the rest of her life. As a mom, can you imagine the emotions that Hannah must have experienced as she made that journey to to the temple to take Samuel, realizing that when she left the temple... 
that she would not get to see him grow up. She would not get to share those special moments in his life. You know, we have, a, have had a child in our home for the past 20 years. And our youngest son is graduating from high school, going to EKU, planning to live on campus. Right now, it's hard for us to imagine a home without a child. I can't even imagine what it must have been like for, for Hannah to hand over her son to someone at three years old and miss all those special times in his life. But you know what? Hannah kept her promise to God. Hannah made an incredible sacrifice. Moms, and this goes for all of us who've received Christ, there are several promises in your life that you've made to God that you need to keep. One is you need to keep the promise you made to God when you gave your life to Christ. When you gave your life to Christ, you asked Him to be your Savior and Lord. Meaning you made a commitment to always trust Him. To always serve Him. And your children need a mom who follows God. Your children need a mom who is faithful to God. Your children need a mom who whose uh, God is the most important thing in their lives. So moms, if you gave your life to Christ, make sure your children know it and make sure you're living for Him. You also need to keep the promise you made to your spouse. Moms, when you said I do, you made a lifetime commitment to your spouse and to God. It wasn't a short-term contract. It was a lifetime covenant between your husband and between God. And make sure that you fulfill that promise you made to your husband and you made to God. And the third promise you need to keep is the promise you make to your children. When God blessed you with a child, He gave you the responsibility to raise that child in a godly home. He gave you the responsibility to dedicate your child to God as we saw families do this morning. And as Christian moms and dads, you need to promise to raise that child in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As parents, we need to promise to teach our children about Jesus. We need to teach our children what it means to live for Jesus, and then we need to live for Jesus ourselves. But our greatest desire and ambition for our children should be that they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior at a very young age. So they will have the rest of their lives to live for Him. So as followers of Christ, as moms, make sure that you keep the promises and the commitments you made to God like Hannah did. And finally, God blesses a woman who praises Him. Look at chapter 2. I'm just going to read a section of Hannah's prayer. Hannah's song of worship to God. Hannah prayed... My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. Hannah could not hold back her love. She could not hold back her praise for the one who had seen her through everything. She worshiped God. She gave him the praise and the honor 
and the worship and the glory that he was due. And notice the contrast between the, her first prayer in 1-1 one, one and, and what she's saying now in 2-1. One. In 1-1, one, one, her vow was one of bitter anguish, but now she's singing a song of praise and thanksgiving to God because he was gracious to her and because he blessed her with a son. Hannah rejoiced in her experience. She's boasting in her The deliverance that God gave her in verse 1. She said, in the Lord my horn was lifted up. The term horn symbolizes strength. So she understood that her son Samuel was a gift from God. That he was not the result of her own strength. But she was the result of God's strength and God's power. And of God working in her life. She also rejoiced in her God. She rejoiced in the holiness of the Lord. She said, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. Ancient Canaan, where this took place, it was full of what is called Astarte idols. Astarte was the Phoenician goddess of fertility and love. And these idols were small clay figurines who were prayed to and worshipped with the hope that they would increase the fertility of their owners. But Hannah did not pray to an idol. Hannah humbled herself and prayed to the Lord God Almighty, the only one who could help her, the only one who could meet her need, the only one who was worthy of her praise. I wonder if she had in mind Deuteronomy 10.31. It says, He is your praise, meaning God, and He is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome works your eyes have seen. Hannah's praise was not her son. Hannah's praise was her God. And Hannah's song is a reminder that instead of trying to solve our problems on our own and turning to the world, we need to turn to God who is our strength and our refuge in times of trouble and cares for those who trust in Him. Like Hannah, we need to come into God's presence with praise. We need to praise Him for who He is. We need to rejoice in Him and and what He has done for us and what He is doing for us. Hannah knew that God could do and did do the impossible in her life. And you know what? We serve the same God that Hannah did. And God can also do the impossible in your life and in my life. There's a song out that says there's nothing that our God can't do. And the chorus goes, there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain He can't move. Praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. I'm so thankful that we serve a God in which nothing is impossible for Him. That there is nothing that He cannot do. You see, the point of Hannah's story is not if you trust God and ask for things long enough. That God will give you what you ask for. That's not the point of her story. The point of Hannah's story is that if you want to be a woman that God blesses, persevere in the midst of your struggles by pouring your heart out to God, by keeping the promises you made to Him, and by always worshiping Him and praising Him and thanking Him for who He is and what He has done. And I will say these lessons are not just for moms and for women. But these lessons are for every follower of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us who proclaim Christ. 
should persevere, should pray, should keep the promises we made to God. And we should praise Him and worship Him more than anything else. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today and we just thank you for your word and we thank you for your truth. God, we thank you for the lessons that we can learn from the life of Hannah. God, we thank you that she showed us how to persevere. She showed us how to pray and come before you and pour out our heart to you. God, she showed us how we need to keep our commitment and our promises to you. God, she showed us how we need to praise you. And God, she showed us the result of coming into your presence. Even if you don't grant our request, the result is that we're changed just by being in your presence. And Father, I pray that our satisfaction in you would not be based on what you do or not do, but I pray that our satisfaction in you, Father, would be based on who you are. That you are a holy and a righteous and loving God. And you've shown your love to us in so many ways, but the greatest way is the giving of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I just want to take a minute and say thank you for moms. Thank you for the gift of mothers. Thank you for the mothers that you've placed in our lives. God, for all that they've done for us, for all that they've sacrificed for us. God, for all that they've put up with. Thank you for the love of moms. Thank you for the protection of moms. God, thank you. For our moms, God, being there to lead us and guide us, to provide for us and sacrifice so much for us. And Father, I pray today that we would let our moms know how much we are so thankful for them. And God, may we truly see them as a blessing and a gift from you. And Father, for the moms that are here, I pray that they would take these lessons from Hannah and apply them to their lives. And Father, there might be a mom or someone here this morning who does not know you. God, the greatest gift they can give their children, give their family, is receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Father, for those that made that decision, God, I wonder how many this morning are going through life. Lord, struggling with issues, struggling with problems, trying to navigate through life what the world has thrown at them. And God, maybe they're ready to give up. Father, I pray they wouldn't give up, but I pray they would look up. And God, I pray they would come this morning and pour out their heart to you. Lord, just being honest with you, knowing that you can handle the anger and the frustration. And Father, I pray this morning that we would not place our joy in our circumstances, but we would place our joy in Christ. And Father, I pray that we would keep the promises that we've made to you. And if there's a promise that we've made that we have not kept to you, Father, I pray that we would come and ask for forgiveness and say, God, forgive me for not keeping the promise to you I made or the promise to my spouse I made or the promise to the children I've made. God, work in the hearts of your people today. We love you and we praise you. And it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.